Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today, we're going to look at a lectionary reading from Hosea 14. But before we do, I just want to say thanks. We have been doing this podcast for roughly a month, and uh, we're averaging around 1,200 downloads a week, and that's just because people like you guys are tuning in, and we just want to say this has been a labor of love so far for us, and it's a major blessing to know that it's actually uh, landing on people's phones and you're listening to it wherever it is that you access podcast content. So we're going to keep up our end of the deal, keep doing this, and I would just ask this, if you have been blessed by this. Um, Go to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a review or a rating. It would really help us to get the word out about what's happening here at Renewing the Center. So enough of the commercial. We're going to get to the Bible. I'm going to read from Hosea 14 and then we'll pray. Then we'll jump in and see what we can see from the word of God today. The prophet says in verse 1, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you. And return to the Lord, say to him, Take away all the guilt, except that which is good, and we will offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us, and we will not ride upon horses. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their disloyalty, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forest of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive tree and his fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall again live beneath my shadow. They shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. Your faithfulness comes from me. Those who are wise understand these things. Those who are discerning know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible. God, specifically the prophets uh, today, God, as we sit with Hosea's words, we pray that you would help us to hear him and frankly hear you through these words written so long ago. God, would you show us how the Bible and the spoken written word of God is applicable and relevant for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I just want to say a few things about this passage, things that stood out to me as I read this daily lectionary reading. And the first one is this. We stumble when we sin. The, the prophet uses these words, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. And I just want you to think about that. When we sin, when we commit iniquity, we actually stumble, we fall down. And if you read the biblical languages, the, the word sin, hamartia, in the Greek language, specifically the language of the New Testament, means to miss the mark. It means that we aim and then end up somewhere we don't want to be. And if you think about the long-term effects of sin in your life, uh, sin places us in spaces, in situations that we just don't want to be in. So think of it this way. If I set out on a road trip and I'm off by three degrees on a map, I'm going to end up in a completely different place. 
And the longer the journey, the more quote unquote off I will be. 3% deviation over 100 feet, negligible difference. You, you could almost not tell the difference. But over 100 miles or 1,000 miles or 10,000 miles, you might end up in a different state or country. The longer we live our lives, the more we will notice the damaging effects of being on the wrong track. And so the prophet here is simply reminding us that the direction of our lives matter. That when we sin, when we commit iniquity, when we miss, when we fall short, it causes us to stumble. Our progress is impeded. And so that's where the image of stumbling is so helpful. And maybe many of us right now feel like we're, we're sort of stumbling in life. We're, we're not walking cleanly or clearly, and it's frustrating to stumble. I remember uh, being many years ago at the beach and, and going on a run, and I was running over some uneven pavement, and I hit a, a little lip in the pavement and went flying, sprawling, cut my knees, cut my hands, and just fell flat on my face. And as I fell, I looked up and there was a boy sitting on his front steps of his house. He had just finished playing and he just fell over laughing at me as I stumbled. But when we stumble in life, it is not a laughing matter. It's painful. It's embarrassing. And the prophet here reminds us that when we sin, we stumble. And I just want to say to you, some of you are at a point where you've stumbled. You're stumbling maybe right now. And it does us no good to pretend that's not the case. I think that one of the things we have to admit is that when I stumble, it hurts and I'm embarrassed, but I need to admit that. So that's where the prophet takes it. The next thing I want to talk about here is he says, take words with you and return to the Lord. And the language in this uh, text is so beautiful. He says, take words with you and go back to God. What he's basically saying is if you've got off track, you have to get back on the right track, but don't just try to do right. You need to bring words with you as you return to the Lord. This reminds me of something C.S. Lewis says, I think in mere Christianity. He says, we all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. But hear it. We're not meant to just simply make right choices after making wrong choices. We're meant to go back to God with our words. So what are we meant to say? Well, the prophet actually articulates what we should say when we acknowledge that we've got ourselves off track. We're meant to acknowledge that we've looked elsewhere for satisfaction and for help. So he speaks specifically here of two rivals, two places we might go to look for help rather than to go to God. Number one, governments. And number two, the work of our hands. So let's sit with these just for a moment because I think this is still where we tend to get off track when we are sinning. Number one, the, the prophet says Assyria will not save us. So another country, a strong country, a government, a politician. Uh, and for me, at least watching the debate on Tuesday night confirmed and I think should confirm for all of us that if we're hoping for a government or a politician to save us, we're probably... I'm going to be left wanting or feeling some disappointment. Assyria can't save us. And the prophet here is just speaking to that tendency that we all have inside of us to look outside ourselves and frankly, to look away from God for help. So he thinks of a government, a strong country that would save. But then he says, no more will we say, our God, when we look at the work of our hands. And so he's also speaking to a tendency that I think a lot of us struggle with. 
um, to look at our own efforts and think maybe I can save myself or secure a place for myself through my own efforts. And I think, frankly, this is where many of us fall short, where we falter, because we believe the lie that if we work hard enough, if we try hard enough, that we could ultimately secure a place for ourselves. And I think this invites us to consider something that is a theme that actually I've explored elsewhere and uh, continue to because it's so meaningful for me. And it's this idea of self-defeat, of conquering our own souls. It's said in the book of Proverbs, he who conquers his own soul is stronger or greater than he who takes a city. And what the writer is trying to say is that we have to learn to come to the end of ourselves without shame. We have to recognize that my best efforts, your best efforts, are not able to secure a place for ourselves. And this is where many of us are at the moment. Maybe you've tried everything, and maybe you've worked yourself to the bone, and you still can't find a way to feel that security or to be as secure as you want to be. When we've tried everything, when we've looked outside ourselves to others, to our own work, and we realize nothing works, I think there's an invitation from God for us to begin to wake our way back to him and to look to him for that which we can't secure on our own. As I was thinking about this idea of working to secure a place for myself, I was reminded of Psalm 127, which is one of my favorite psalms. And frankly, it's one of my favorites because it stood out to me at a critical juncture in my life as a profound rebuke and a corrective. Here's what the psalmist says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Many years ago, God used this passage to uh, speak a word of rebuke to me. It was very painful because at that time, I was working very hard to secure a place for myself. It was actually around the time that we moved into the current building that we occupy here at Trinity. And I was in a dark place, in a desperate place, frankly, because I was eating the bread of anxious toil. And the words in that passage still echo to me. They still ring true and clean in my ears because it's a reminder that when we belly up to that table where the bread of anxious toil is being served in abundance and many of us are totally addicted to that anxious toil, we think we can work and work and work and earn and earn and secure a place for ourselves. But the bread of anxious toil makes us ill. It makes us sick. It actually puts us further from God. It actually creates opportunity for stumbling. We've heard even recently of a major Christian leader who uh, has been um, accused by multiple voices of uh, sin and impropriety. And this leader has gone to be with the Lord. And yet the accusation is as current and fresh as you could imagine because it's all over the news and media outlets. And I don't know whether the accusations are true or not. It's really not my place to adjudicate there. But what I do know is that the pressure of trying to secure and build and do right, whether you're in ministry or in real estate or trying to secure and build in your own home, can cause us to act out in really embarrassing ways. So when the prophet says, we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands, when the prophet says, in you the orphan finds mercy, I believe that there's an invitation for us to look away from ourselves and to acknowledge our ultimate helplessness. An orphan has no advocate. An orphan has no help. So what does God do when we come to the end of ourselves? Does he say, well, what took you so long, you dummy? 
Does he shame us? Does he reject us? No. What we're told here through the voice of the prophet is that when we do that, when we acknowledge that it's not, uh, we're not able to secure a place for ourselves, we're told that, that the Lord will heal our disloyalty and that the Lord will love us freely. So what we see here is that God gives us what we were fighting for all along, but could never secure in our own strength or through governments or those outside of us, that God waits for us to come to the end of ourselves. He waits for us to admit that we can't secure a place for ourselves through the work of our hands, that we can't make ourselves secure through the consumption of that bread of anxious toil. And then he heals our disloyalty. The image of God healing my disloyalty, it brings tears to my eyes. Because what God is saying there is, if you'll only admit it, I can heal it. If you'll cease hiding, I will love you freely. And then the text goes on. Not only are we loved freely, but then we begin to grow again. We're told that God will be like dew, like a moisture that promotes growth in a plant. And then we're told that after he heals our disloyalty, after we stop looking to our own resources to grow, that then we'll grow, we'll blossom like a flower will grow like a vine, will be rooted like a tree. And so what you see there is visible beauty, right? A vine, a flower, and rootedness, a tree being rooted and established, that that's what God does when we stop trying to figure it out all on our own. He says you'll smell good, you'll induce joy like wine when you're being nourished by God. And this is the fruit of God's renewing work. You're meant to make things, people, and situations better. You're meant to promote life and goodness as you remain connected to God. That's his plan for you and for me. But here's the deal. Not only will we grow, the prophet says we will enjoy the shade that only God can provide. There's a sense of the the person being alone or believing that they're alone at the very beginning of this passage. And now God says, I am like an evergreen cypress to you. It's me, God says, who can provide shade to you. He says, your faithfulness comes from me. Do you hear that? My faithfulness doesn't come from inside myself. It comes from God, our father. Your faithfulness comes from God, not your own efforts. And then we get to live beneath the shadow, the shade of God's tree. What a gift that is. Father, I pray for my friends today and I ask, Lord, that you would give us a sense of being able to admit when we've got off track or looked in the wrong direction. Heal us, Lord, we pray. Forgive us our sins so that we might flourish again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to continue meditating on what you heard today, take some time to recall an idea or an image that encouraged or challenged you in this episode. When things stand out to us in God's word or in our lives or in what we're reading or in devotional talks, it often means that God is offering us his help and his guidance. When you have your idea or image in mind, carry it with you as a prayer, coming back to it in the spaces throughout your day. How does it speak to you and where you are right now? What does it say about God and what he wants for you? Speak to him about these things. Listen for his still small voice and respond to him as simply and as honestly as you can. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you back here again with us next time at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.